Guardian Unlimited. Just six races into his Formula One career and Lewis Hamilton wins the Canadian Grand Prix. Four separate safety car periods make this an incredibly dramatic race. Hamilton moves into the lead of the World Championship on a day when his rivals hit all sorts of trouble. Nick Heidfeld takes second for BMW, with Alex Wurz finishing third for Williams. Yes, a dramatic race indeed. Welcome and hello there. This is Morris Hamilton from The Observer and BBC Radio 5 Live with the Formula One show for Guardian Unlimited. As usual, I've got Ian Phillips, business manager of Spiker, with me here. And we're just going to have a look at an incredible race, Ian. Let's, but let's first of all pay tribute to the man who won it, his first Grand Prix win, his sixth Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton. Again, you can hardly fault it, can you? Absolutely not at all. It was an immaculate driver. I mean, I, I have to say that... I thought during that event, I'm seeing something really, really special here. I've you know, seen Senna start and Schumacher start, but this race was so complicated. And there was a man leading, or starting from pole position for the first time, leading. He had to cope with four safety car periods, and he never had to deal with a safety car before. But First of all, the way he took off on lap one of the race, he put 2.1 seconds over Nick Heidfeld on that on that first lap. But he did it the same again at every restart. He t his timing was just immaculate, and I mean that is a real veteran sort of performance. That's the sort of thing that you expected Schumacher to do when he'd won about three titles. Here's a guy, you know, in his first race, not even halfway through his first season. And just everything about it was just so professional, so good. It was really, really fantastic to, to see. Now let's just backtrack a little bit in and, and take a look at the, the background to what got him onto pole position and into, this, and into the lead of the race like that. Because actually, I think it's fair to say that the pole position he won, his first one ever in Formula One yesterday, was incredibly important because it got him obviously onto pole, but it got him ahead of all the trouble. And then when the pit stop strategies came into play, we'll talk about the safety car periods in a minute, but when the first one came into play, he'd already been in and out of the pits, as was his right as the leading guy. If he'd been behind Fernando Alonso, say, then he would have been caught as Alonso was. Again, we'll cover that later. But again, it all worked in his favour. He made full use of it, though. Yeah, he did. I, I thought the way he approached the whole weekend was, was truly, truly mature and professional. This, this circuit here in Canada is tricky, as we saw during the race and all three days we've been here, people hitting, hitting walls and so on. It's very, very easy to crash. And I thought on Friday, he's, uh, he took a very circumspect approach to the whole thing. He didn't try to be fast. He was fast, but he wasn't the fastest. But come Saturday morning, when he'd reflected on everything that happened, he was fastest every time he went out onto, onto the circuit. That pole position, to be honest, was always going to be his. I thought it was, it was the correct thing to do. He put him in command. Whether that was something that the team agreed that he should run with a little less, uh, little less fuel and be able to go for pole here, who, who knows? But he delivered at the end of the day when a lot of other um, more uh, experienced campaigners, shall we say, made some pretty horrendous 
errors on a, a circuit where it's pretty easy to, to do it. He, as a rookie, didn't at any time. Can you imagine the pressure, really, that he was under? He's leading a Grand Prix. He knows that actually he can win this. But four safety car periods and all the debris and stuff that's on the circuit. Okay, you have to say, presumably, there was a little bit of luck um, for him, but he made use of everything that was given to him. Ian, go, just just to go back again to the the pole position time, the, the pole position lap from Lewis Hamilton. Now, I thought I don't know whether you agree, but during the qualifying lap, I thought Fernando Alonso was actually on course for pole until he ran wide at the hairpin. It looked like he was he was quicker than Lewis until that point. That mistake, very small one, put him onto second on the grid. Might have been very very costly indeed because then it put the pressure on him to get ahead of Hamilton into the first corner, and then look what happened there. He ran wide. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He did make a, a mistake on that qualifying run. He was fastest in the first two sectors of, of the lap. He was on, on course for, for pole position. But as you say, he, he made a mistake and um, quite a big mistake, to be honest, because he ended up four tenths slower, I think, which is a pretty big mistake to have, to have made. And he made another huge error at the start of the race, to, to be honest. I mean, he, he threw it away running, running wide at the first corner. OK, you all know that the first lap, the first corner, that's that's the place where you probably can make some positions, but he was trying to go around the outside of Lewis, but you know you can't do that. You know, how many how many years have we seen people trying to do that? You just can't do it. You don't get away with it. You either tangle or you're off on the grass. He went off on the grass. He lost a place to, to Nick Heidfeld, and he never recovered, to be honest. And he, he made two or three similar mistakes during the course of the race as well. I, you know, he was he was off on the grass. Maybe he did damage the car on that, that first corner, but he actually threw everything away at that point. Yeah, I actually, I thought that's what had happened. I thought he had done some damage to the car because he was missing his braking point two or three times, particularly at that corner. And that is not like Fernando Alonso, so I felt there was a brake problem. Now, McLaren, I've just been to see them, and they tell me, no, no, the car was all right. Now, whether they're being overprotective of their driver, I don't know, in view of all the recent criticism. But here's an interesting thing. We saw Lewis Hamilton called in for his first pit stop, and then, by sheer chance, the safety car comes out just after, just when Alonso's making his way into the pits. McLaren are running the car absolutely to the limit. They have to bring him in because he's going to run out of fuel otherwise. He then has to, he gets penalised, 10-second stop, go for that. Um, that's just hard luck, isn't it? Now, imagine if it had been the other way around, if, say, Alonso had been in first and Lewis Hamilton had suffered that. I think some of our colleagues in the British press might be moaning their way like mad at the moment, don't you? I, th I think you're right there, Morris. I, I think they, they were just unlucky. But, you know, on a circuit like this, where you always get a safety car incident, two or three, um, I think you've got to allow yourself a bit of a margin. And they're, they're saying that the car was running on, on fumes. And so, yes, it was bad luck that the safety car came out when it did. But I, I believe that a circuit like this, you've just got to give yourself a little margin of error, especially with the, the new rules about not being able to pit under the safety car. Uh, this was the first time, remember, that this rule has really come into play. And I think one or two teams were actually caught out by it. And the months and months that were spent arguing these regulations and framing them and so on, I thought it was um, a bit surprising that some of the architects of uh, the whole thing appeared to have uh, misinterpreted them somehow. Well, it could be no coincidence that Ron Dennis in particular was uh, after the race and, and saying, yes, well done, Lewis Hamilton, but it's very unfair the way this red light, this, uh, this uh, pit stop safety car thing, we can't stop. Uh, basically, the rule says that uh, when the safety car comes out, you are not allowed to let your car into the pits until everybody's lined up directly behind the safety car. 
reason for that is, just as a matter of interest, is to stop people dashing into the pits and past the scene of an accident. So that's why they've done it. And as you rightly say, it was, it, it was written in the book. Everybody knew that was, there was a, likely to be a safety car here, much the same as Monaco, and they, yet they ran Alonso right to the limit. So I tend to agree with you. I don't have a lot of sympathy for anybody who says it's not fair because a lot of other teams got it right. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I think you know, the quick, the the big boys, if you like, the McLarens, the Ferraris, the Renaults, and so on, were, were the people looking for this, uh, looking for this rule or completely revised safety car rules because they didn't like restarts taking taking place when, say, you've got a Spiker or a Super Aguri running in third place, and they'd have to get past them. They didn't want that. They wanted them all to get to the back of the grid and therefore it was devised okay so you don't be coming in the pit so you don't mess mess the order up this is this is the order that you've got to run well you can't have it always you know they don't want they don't want the slower cars in amongst them but they want to be allowed to do what they want to do those are the rules we we've been through them time and time and time again personally i actually think that the slower cars should be left there it's part of racing it's part of a racing driver's job to get past them Now, we've, obviously, Fernando Alonso is uh, Lewis Hamilton's biggest rival in many respects, apart from just being his teammate, both fighting for the championship. A little disappointing, I think, Ian, because we came here expecting Ferrari to add a little bit more to the mix, having had a severe drubbing at the hands of McLaren in uh, Monte Carlo two weeks ago. We thought that here Ferrari would be on the pace, but they just weren't. Not from the, the moment practice started. They, they said qualifying, we're a bit weak, we're not very good on the one lap on these tyres, but we are good, our race pace is good. I never saw it today, did you? No, I didn't at all, and I, I'm very surprised too, because we only have to look back two races ago to Barcelona, when they were half a second quicker than, than the McLarens, and probably a second quicker than anybody else. And you kind of thought, well, okay, Monaco is a bit, a bit special, they can't really have lost that amount of speed, or McLaren gained that amount, but it appears that they have. We've come back to what we would call a normal racing circuit, and Ferrari were, were nowhere. In fact, they, they, the, the whole body language of the team, to me, looked um, very downcast this, this, this weekend. There was nothing buzzy about Ferrari at all. No, they, they, they seem to be as surprised as we are, I think, about that. And to add to their problems, we had Felipe Massa, who was running a handy fourth uh, in the middle part of the race. And uh, he then, when he came into the pits, he then made the mistake, as did Giancarlo Fisichella, of leaving the pit lane when the red light was on. Red light was on, by the way, it comes on when the safety car is out and it's leading the field of cars round. As soon as it comes onto the pit straight, the red light comes on, so you can't rejoin in front of it. You've got to join at the back of the queue. Both drivers sailed past the red light and got excluded for their trouble. So, driver error, I think. Very definitely driver error. They should be alert to those situations, but so should the team, too. I mean, the, the, the guys calling the shots are on the, on the pit wall. They know where everybody is on, on the circuit, and they should know the rules. That, that safety car and the train of cars is coming past the pit garages. That red light is going to be on. They should have actually told the driver, we know that drivers get a bit of a red miss, got to get out there and they don't see things. They should do. I honestly believe that they should see them. But it is also the job of, of the team to warn them of, of the situation. So I, I, I see both teams have kind of excused the drivers. Um, they should blame themselves, really, because there ought to be somebody calling the shots who is aware of everything that's going on around them and say, red light's on. Now, just sticking with Ferrari and Kimi Raikkonen, what is happening, or not happening, actually? Because 
he just didn't appear to be at the match this week. Okay, he qualified ahead of uh, Felipe Massa, but he was fourth in the grid. But at, in the race itself, I didn't see any spark. Uh, I, I just don't understand what's happening. No, you're, you're right. It's absolutely mystifying, I have to say. And it, it's the lack of spark in the race that I really find extraordinary. In Monaco two weeks ago, same thing. He had, a, a made, had an accident in qualifying. He started um, in the middle, middle of the pack. Now, his predecessor, if that had been Michael Schumacher, he'd have fought his way up, and he didn't. He did absolutely nothing. Remember Michael, the year before, thrown to the back of the grid for... Uh, some technical infringement <laughs> out on the circuit um, and he fought his way back to fifth place I think it was you know that was that was Michael and there's no Michael about Kimi Raikkonen at all and to be honest we keep seeing pictures of Michael looking extremely bored in the uh, Ferrari garage garage or on the pit wall if I was him I'd be saying to them do you want me to dust my helmet off and come back in, <laughs> in France because the way their season's going at the moment, it's only a genius like him that could save them. Well, they're saying that if Michael had been in the car, he might have won actually a few more races than they have done, and perhaps there is a lot to that. And he does look bored. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot in this. Well, would you want to come to a Grand Prix? I mean, when you know that probably you are still the best driver in, in, in the world, let's allow Hamilton uh, his, his glory. But, you know, the yardstick is still Michael Schumacher and all those race wins and, and, and so on. That guy could get in the car and beat the pants off everybody except probably Hamilton in a McLaren as it stands right now. But sure, Michael would be finishing second. Well, but I think part of the thing would be he'd probably like to get in the car and show us all, actually, this young whippersnapper Hamilton, yeah, he is good. But hey, just don't forget me. Yeah, I, absolutely. And wouldn't we just love to see it? <laughs> Just, I must say, Ian, we better, better just be fair to Kimi Raikkonen in one respect, and that is that um, after Robert Kubica's accident, a piece of the debris of the BMW got stuck in his front wing, and it gave him a little bit of understeer and, and, and had some difficulties with the brakes. But uh, I tend to agree with you, though. I think really that's just the sort of edge to uh, a disappointing drive all around. But on a more serious note, and happily, uh, with, with a happy ending, Robert Kubica's accident, that's one of the biggest shunts I have seen. He was dicing for 12th place with uh, Jarno Trulli, trying to get past the Toyota. He touched the right rear wheel of Trulli's car out on the back straight where they're reaching up to about 160, 170 miles an hour. That sent the BMW airborne barrel rolled into the concrete wall on the right and barrel rolled across the track to the concrete wall on the left, ended up at the braking area for the hairpin. Massive accident. Very happy to report that the word from the medical centre as we speak is he's fine. Uh, they haven't confirmed a rumour that he's got a broken leg, but even if that is just the height of his uh, injuries then, again, Ian, a great tribute to Formula One safety. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I must admit, I, when I saw the first replay of that, I just was dripping in sweat. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. There wasn't a single bit left on that uh, Sauber BMW at all. And you're absolutely right. The, the progress that the sport has made over the, over the years, um, if, you know, if he gets away with just a broken leg, then uh, what a lucky man uh, he is, really. And, you know, a testament to really... Uh, Professor Sid Watkins, who who, who led uh, the campaign with their hands devices, which is um, a thing that the drivers have to wear. And remember, Morris, when it was they were told they were going to have to do it. Oh, we don't want to wear it; it's uncomfortable. This has probably saved I don't know five or six broken necks since it's been introduced. The violence of that accident was really terrifying. And uh, yes, yeah, great for great for the sport. I have to say that you know, essentially, he's all okay. <laughs>
Indeed, and, and good for BMW too that they can now actually, with the result of this good news coming from the hospital here in Montreal, they can now celebrate then properly and rightly Nick Heidfeld's second place. Terrific result. And the speed of that car. I thought, well, it'd be full of fuel, it'd hold everybody up. Not a bit of it. Ferraris couldn't keep up with them. No, they couldn't. Nick's been on absolute tip-top form, actually, this, this weekend. He was, he was very lucky. Well, very lucky. He did a magnificent job in qualifying uh, yesterday then that one of his his best time had been disallowed because he'd cut the chicane and he he crossed the line I think with about three seconds to go in the session and he drove almost the lap of his life and he scraped the, yes. the famous wall of death or wall of champions or whatever it is this this wall on the exit of the, of the last corner he just left time out all the way on it but he got into that final in the top 10 uh, shootout and qualified absolutely magnificently in, in third place and just starred in the race. He, he made a very good start. Probably the only, if, if one could be ever so slightly critical of Hamilton, he didn't make the, the best getaway uh, and Nick got pretty close to him. Uh, and he saw it. I mean, Alonso made his stupid mistake, but he was, Alonso wasn't a part of the show there, thereafter. Nick was the only one that was, that was there. And again, he held his head throughout the race and it can't be nice when you see uh, the remains of your teammates car with no no wheels on it absolutely nothing on it lying by the the side of the road I mean that's you you have to be I don't know so single-minded don't you as a as a sportsman he's your, he's your teammate and you know they're probably because Nick's an easygoing guy I suspect they're they're good mates and you've just got to be able to shut this out of your mind uh, and carry on and do the job and uh, as, as you rightly say they can celebrate now knowing that Kubitz is going to be okay and, and they can really enjoy what was a sensational performance by Nick Heidfeld. So the excellent second place for uh, Nick Heidfeld consolidates BMW's Cyber's third place in the Constructors' Championship and some very welcome points indeed today for the Williams team with, of all people, not uh, Nico Rosberg but Alexander Wurtz coming through from the back of the grid to finish third uh, and again it just showed that if you're persistent and also to be fair to Wurtz he made one stop and he had to go for almost half the race on the softer option tire which you have to use a real struggle for him but he did it he got the car home using his experience yeah I think yeah, it, it was it was a very good drive by him. I mean, he qualified really badly yesterday, stuck among a couple of spikers, um, and you know he obviously not really got to grips with the place at all. But he he did the job that the team expected to bring the car home just solidly. And as you rightly say, the one-stop strategy helped for sure by the safety car periods. But being stuck on the wrong tire, and it really was the wrong the wrong tire. Very, very, very difficult. But he hung on in there and he found himself in, in third place. And you would have thought some of the people behind him could have put the pressure on, given that his tyre situation and so on. But he held on to it and he's repaid the, the faith that Williams have, have showed him. And uh, 24 hours after everybody was saying, well, probably they better get rid of him because, you know, the car's quick because his teammate, Nico Rosberg, is always qualifying in the, in the top 10. And driving really strongly in the races but at the end of the day Rosberg 
wasn't there at the end and he was and he got a podium place and that's that's good to see it's a, it's flying the flag for the privateers <laughs> well yes but you could also say talking about you know people having uh, words about drivers who aren't actually doing the business Heike Kovalainen in a similar situation had a mare of a weekend up until race day hit the wall twice had an engine failure not his fault but starting from the back of the grid had to do something and he did he brought the car home in fourth place yeah you're absolutely right same same thing again he was in desperate states yesterday and all the rumours flying around the paddock last night about what was going to happen because we know that uh, Flavio Briatore doesn't like being uh, beaten and you know he's prone to taking decisions to to put things right well he is a decision maker and you thought well this is one decision that he's going to be taken sooner rather than, than later and the boy done good as they say you know he just kept his head down and it's funny I, I walked past their uh, hospitality unit this morning and I saw him in conversation with Flavio and it was almost as if he was getting the arm around him listen you're going to be all right don't worry we'll look after you we've got faith in you and you know, whatever they did to him because he must have been shattered yesterday after Friday and, and yesterday morning what, what went on and you know he, he came good and we've said before he hasn't looked good this this season really and yesterday was further proof of that but at the end of the day what do you want a guy will score points for you when they're there to be taken and he did it now you'd expect that sort of thing from a reigning world champion wouldn't you and there's Fernando Alonso finishing seventh to be fair to him he was on the softer tire towards the end and clearly they were not working uh, on the McLaren at all particularly when he's taken on by Takuma Sato and passed by Sato who is absolutely flying and there's Super Aguri seventh in the Constructors Championship thanks to Sato finishing sixth again another faultless drive from the little Japanese man yeah, I love Taku. I, I really do. His spirit is absolutely terrific. And about a lap and a half before he did overtake Alonso, I thought this is this is going to be the big moment. And what did he do? He outbraked him into into the final corner. It was a bold move, but he did it so confidently that uh, he he deserved everything. I, I'll not say too much about whether Super Aguri ought to be seventh in the Constructors' <laughs> Championship or consigned to the bin for running a customer car. But I suspect that uh, the people at McLaren might be looking at the rules a little more closely now that their double world champion was overtaken by Takuma Sato. But Takuma is one of the great breed of races. He's coming for a lot of stick, but he's very, very fast. And he's now learning a little bit of discipline. And I think what, what he's doing for that little team is, is super. But... I've never underestimated him. He drove for Jordan for a year and he was always fast. And I think he's got a career in front of him. So there we have it at the end of a, a very, very dramatic Canadian Grand Prix. This race has uh, done this to us before because of the surroundings here, the concrete walls very close to the edge of the track, rather like uh, a very fast Monaco, if you like. The smallest mistake uh, is paid for very dearly, and that's why we had several cars in the wall not finishing the race, and uh, we had only 12 guys running off the 22 starters uh, at the finish. Uh, Anthony Davidson was one of them, he was 11th, he would have been higher up had he not actually struck another little hazard you have here uh, on the Ile Notre Dame and that is the, the wildlife, he, 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 there was a little uh, groundhog ran across the track, damaged the front wing and he had to make a, an unexpected pit stop uh, when the team weren't ready for him, that's what that was all about but he came in to have that repaired. Nico Rosberg disappointed I'm sure with 10th uh, place because he was absolutely
absolutely flying all weekend, looked terrific again uh, during qualifying, but the whole thing that just didn't go his way, the uh, pit stop strategy, again, he was caught uh, by the safety car, and that just ruined his race, as it did Mark Webber, who was ninth. And look at this, Ian, Ralph Schumacher scores a point from the back of the grid. Well, there we go again. There was, you know, three of them there at the back of the grid, Ralph Schumacher, uh, Kovalainen, and Wurtz, um, you know, started at the back of the grid, along with our two guys, Sutil and, and Albers, and our two guys you know, were clowns. They fell off. All they had to do was finish. When Albers went, went off round about half distance, he was in front of Wurtz and pulling away from him at a second lap. All he had to do was finish, and he didn't he hit the wall. You know, it's, it's harsh, but that, that's life, and we're not happy with, with either of the two guys, and, uh, and they know it, Mr. Gascoigne has told them. <laughs> and I don't think they'll be making those sort of mistakes again. They might drive slower, but they won't make those mistakes again. As you say, Ian, it's all about finishing. Poor old Jensen Button never even got started. He went to select first gear at the start and went into neutral, and that was that. That was the end of his race. So he opened up the long list of retirements for this round six of the 2007 uh, World Championship here in Montreal, Canadian Grand Prix, one by Lewis Hamilton in very fine style indeed. How many more times are we going to be saying that? quite a lot I fancy maybe even next weekend when we have the American Grand Prix in Indianapolis Ian and I will be there so please join us then after that Grand Prix here on the Formula One show Guardian Unlimited thanks very much for joining us and remember until then keep the revs up and safe motoring this is Morris Hamilton saying cheerio